Well, greetings in Jesus' name to all of you this morning. It is uh, precious to me this morning to be able to be here. I've been absent for some weeks. The Lord has brought me through, and I do rejoice to be here in fellowship. Fellowship truly in the spirit um, with the believers. I'd like to uh, extend a welcome to all our visitors. Um, we're very thankful for you all to be here. Special welcome. Special welcome to my daughter and son-in-law who uh, surprised us yesterday. I was not so shocked in a long time when they just walked into the house and uh, normally I expect them to be a thousand miles away so <laughs> that was a blessing we also have a special service today in having a baptism planned and so we're very grateful to the Lord and I'd like to uh, turn our attention this morning to the matter of trust, trust in the Lord. Now that seems very basic because it is. It is repeated so many times in the scriptures about trusting in the Lord. So frequently that we may sort of just gloss over it and not think about uh, the importance of trusting in the Lord. If I were to ask you this morning, do you trust in the Lord? I would guess that most, if not all, would say yes. Mm, yes, yeah, I, I trust in the Lord. And that's good. But there needs to be a reality in our daily walk where we, um, and I would say by faith, we reach out and trust the Lord. Time would fail us to read all the passages about trust, but several that came to mind in Psalm 16 verse 1 it says, Preserve me, O God, for in thee do I put my trust. Now that word preserve has the idea of saving or setting a guard, keeping a watch. Preserve me, O God. And as we were to, if we think about going through life, no matter what you face, if the Lord was standing by your side, would you have anything to fear? And the obvious answer is, well, no. I mean, if the creator of the universe was at your side, I mean, what could man do unto you? If you think of somebody setting a watch, or you feel like you need a guard, as many people do when they feel threatened or endangered, um, so if the Lord was at your side uh, setting a watch, then 
There would be no need to fear. Well, think with me of the disciples who had the Lord at their side. In fact, on one occasion, there was a boat where all were in the boat and traveling across the sea, and a storm arose, and they began to be fearful. But they had the Lord at their side. Now, we would say they didn't fully maybe realize who it was, and yet they did. I mean, they they trusted in the Lord. Had they not forsaken all to follow him? Yes, they had. And a storm arose, and in that storm, they began to be fearful. Now, if we think through that in a natural way, we can understand why they were fearful. They, they feared for their lives. They were in danger. And we would like to think of ourselves, even as we trust in the Lord, as that we really do trust the Lord, and if we were in such a circumstance, we would surely reach out in trust and faith. And, and But it's interesting that after... Jesus stilled the storm. He began to upbraid them. That's a pretty strong word. He began to upbraid them for their lack of faith. Ouch. (laughs) We would get a little bit defensive, wouldn't we? We were in danger. And yet, he began to upbraid them for their lack of faith faith, or trust. So back to our text here. Preserve me, O God, for in thee do I put my trust. Now, it is God's will for us to be an example of godliness no matter what circumstance we find ourselves in. There is a temptation for us to be like the disciples. We find ourselves in a dilemma, a situation, a uh, maybe a physical distress, perhaps an emotional distress or a relationship distress, a storm, if you will. And we are tempted to think that our situation is so dire and God is far away. In that moment, can we trust in the Lord? There's a, um, a multitude of passages that assure us that God is trustworthy. In fact, God calls the very heavens to uh, witness that he is faithful and that he knows and that he is watching. I had to think recently as I read a a bit about an eclipse and where the the earth is for a moment, its uh, brightness is blotted out by the moon passing between the sun and and the earth. And we call that an eclipse. And this particular one I read was sometime, I'm not sure if it's maybe past or just upcoming, but the interesting thing is it is 
uh, in a faraway place on the planet. It is in Antarctica, just off the coast of Antarctica. Now, Antarctica is not a hospitable place, and nobody lives there. But they are making plans, and there is, at least for some, a great deal of money being expended by getting on a ship, and they plan to be there on location when this eclipse occurs. Now, if you stop to think a bit about what that is telling us, is that God has so meticulously planned the details and oversees its, its uh, flow of, of um, what would I say, it's ex- the flow of reality. In other words, the heavens are fixed and kept in store by the power of God to such an extent that people can study these things and actually draw a conclusion that at a certain future date and time and place, and they know the exact spot, and they can calculate to the second how long this uh, sun will be obscured by the moon on a remote spot where nobody lives, and yet they know it's going to happen at that time and at that place. And that it can actually be calculated at a far distant point on the planet. You can figure it out and know. Now does God plan your life circumstances with that attention to detail? And the answer is yes. He does. And he expects us to place our confidence in him. That trust is to be placed in a God who knows all things. Now I'd like for you to turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 2. In, in chapter 2 of 1 Peter, verse 18 and following, it says, Servants, be subject to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the froward. For this is thankworthy if a man for conscience toward God endure grief, suffering wrongfully. For what glory is it if when ye be buffeted for your faults, ye shall take it patiently. But if when ye do well and suffer for it, ye take it patiently, this is acceptable with God. For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow his steps. Who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. Who, when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. 
who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, being dead to sins, should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes ye were healed. For ye were as sheep going astray, but are now returned unto the shepherd and bishop of your souls. Now, it does not even particularly use the word trust in this passage, but the word trust is clearly uh, given a definition here about what it means in verse 23, where it says, committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. And later in Peter, it, it uh, reiterates that when we are persecuted, uh, that we should not be fearful or we should not think that this is some, uh, something beyond, our, uh, beyond what we should endure, but rather we should commit the keeping of our souls to him that judgeth righteously. Commit the keeping of our souls to him that judgeth righteously. Now that's trust. That is what at least one aspect of trust is that we are able to look at our storm. And the storm uh, that I'm thinking of here in this passage is that of suffering whether it's rightly or wrongly, whether we, uh, we should expect, as it says here, that if, if we be buffeted for our faults, that's nothing, nothing uh, unusual. But there are even times when we are buffeted when we've done well. Can we trust the Lord? Can we at those moments actually commit the keeping of our soul to him that judges righteously? Isn't that what trust means? Now, we can get bent out of shape. We can get fearful like the disciples did. We can resist it and we can argue that our situation is so bad that I just couldn't, uh, you know, I couldn't do anything else but respond in the flesh and, but uh, no, no, that's not true. We can't claim that it was so bad that we couldn't have done right because there's a matter of trust that we can commit our souls to him that judgeth righteously. And we don't have to respond wrongly. So it's been a deep challenge to my own heart as I ponder, uh, do I really trust the Lord? Yes, I I tell myself that, yeah, I can look back and I can say, uh, yeah, I trust the Lord. I trust the Lord here. I trusted him there. But what about today? Do I trust him today? 
Do I trust him enough to know that he is working in me to make of me what he wants me to be? And that uh, that if it turns out well, it is only well as I have put my trust in the Lord. Uh, because he's the one who is, is after all, working to our good. I hope this meditation can help you in a personal way for whatever it is that you face. Uh, because while trust is a very large subject, has many aspects, and we couldn't begin to touch on all of them, there is this reality that we need to bring this matter of trust into our daily experience. When it says, preserve me, O Lord, the idea of the Lord standing guard, it's not just for those great times when uh, the kidnappers come and take us away. It's not for just that great time when we're on our deathbed. It's, and, and you can think of any other extremity of life, and it, it's for our daily Walk. It's for our relationship one with another. It's for the character of Christ being formed in my life to trust in the Lord. So can we together trust in the Lord in a deeper way than we have uh, heretofore? And I think I'll close with that. May the Lord bless.